Every podcast needs a theme song. And here's mine. Hi, folks. Thanks for tuning in to Restoring History. I am Mike Kelleher, and on today's show, I'll be talking with the author of the Junk Food for Thought blog, Chris Shaw. I gave Chris free reign to ask me about anything that we do or have done here at Calistration, and I definitely avoid any potentially libelous answers. But first, this podcast is brought to you by my company, Calistration Incorporated. Visit us at calistration.com and check out our Master Series line of high-quality art restoration prints. Our first prints, featuring Little Nemo and Slumberland, is available now. These are restored directly from the original art, and you get a total of four 18 by 24 inch prints, full color, and they look great hanging on your wall or displayed in a standard 18 by 24 inch portfolio. New prints are available every few months, so visit often at K E L L U S T R A T I O N dot com. That's Kellistration dot com. All right. Last week I spoke with Chris Shaw. Uh, by the way, you can read his review blog, which is called Junk Food for Thought, at junkfoodforthought-chrisshaw.blogspot.com. And don't worry, I'll post a link to that on our site for you to click on. Anyway, I intended our conversation to be about 10 to 15 minutes long, and so I could use it for filler for this episode. Uh, but we, took, we talked much longer than that, and I think you'll get a kick out of it. So here it is, recorded February 12, 2015, my conversation with Chris Shaw. All right, joining me now is uh, Chris Shaw. How are you doing, Chris? Good. How are you, Mike? I'm doing just fine. What are we going to be talking about today? Well, um, you've you've done restoration on like Marvel Masterworks and Dark Horse Archives. Yep. Um, are there any other lines you've done? Um, I do a lot of work for Dynamic Forces. I don't think they have an official line uh, for anything. Um, and my goodness. I'm trying to think if there are any other comic publishers. Hmm. No, I think that's it for the big uh, comic publishers, because I've never done anything for DC. You know, D- Marvel, Dark Horse, Dynamite, and DC are pretty much the, the big ones at this point that would need anything. I guess uh, Image probably would once in a while, too, but I've never... I've done, I've, I've done some work on Image book, but not directly for Image. I'll say, you know, same thing with Archie. We do a lot of Archie books, but we don't do anything directly for Archie Comics. Well, yeah, Archie Archives, those are coming out through Dark Horse. Right. And now, um, okay, well, here's a question. Because, like, the Boris Karloff Tales of Mystery Archives were coming out. Yes. There was, they did six of them. And I think the first two or maybe three, I th- the first two for sure were just scanned straight from straight from the comics. You could see the dots and yep. whatnot. Yep. And I think on the third or fourth, they went to full-blown restoration. And I think you did those, didn't you? Yes. In fact, I'm I'm pretty sure that was the first... Uh, the first series that we worked on for Dark Horse, and they they contacted us and they told us the way that they were doing everything, which was just the scans. And so I don't remember if I did an entire volume like that, but they, they loved what I was, you know, they, they loved the quality that we were giving. They said it was a lot better than than their previous stuff, and I had never seen their previous stuff except for a couple sample pages that they sent me. You know, after I showed them what we were doing on on Masterworks. We kind of got them to switch over to to that method of just re- completely restoring the colors from scratch. Now, for the Boris Karloff, then, were you working off of film or were you scanning the issues? Oh, no. Everything, well, it's not fair to say everything, but just about everything we do from Dark Horse uh, is from scans of the of the actual printed comics because we, we can't find 
any film for any of this stuff, and original art is rare to find uh, available for us. And when you're when you're working on something like hmm, how can I how can I say this uh, diplomatically? Um, Marvel and Dark Horse are you know, obviously uh, you know, two different companies. You know, Dark Horse usually licenses their their books. Where Marvel, of course, they own the characters and they own they own the rights to almost everything they do. So they have not just the ability but the necessity to spend the extra time and money restoring their 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 product and making sure that this stuff is going to last hopefully until you know whatever the next big uh, change in reading format ends up being. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen after digital, but if, you know whatever. Mind reading. I don't know how, how <laughs> whatever format we're going to need to go into. Yeah, but the the idea now is that we are restoring the the Marvel, all the Marvel work, so that it should, in theory, it should never need to be restored again. Now, when you're working on when you're working on a book for a, a company that is only just temporarily licensing the the product, they need to get as much bang for their buck as they can, which I, I think we deliver. I think we do a damn good job on, uh, uh, you know, the Boris Karloff and the Archie series, uh, you know, the Archie archives, everything else that we end up doing for doing for Dark Horse. The next question I have about the Dark Horse ones is that Dark Horse used to use a bright white glossy stock. Yes. And then they switched to that, like, creamy matte stock, which which just is fantastic. Yeah, I agree. And when did the, how did they come to that? Was that anything to do with your end, or did they just come to that on their own? Um, if I remember correctly, they uh, they came up with it, and uh, they did ask my opinion at one point what I thought of it, and I thought I thought it was fantastic. And so I I have no idea if my opinion held any weight or not, but uh, yeah, I I love I love that nice that nice flat paper. And again, again, and I realize that sound. It sounds like I'm, I'm trying to kiss ass, and I'm, I'm, I'm really not. I also enjoy the, uh, the well, the majority of the paper that I see on Masterworks. Um, there, there were yes, a couple, I love, I love the current Masterworks paper also. Yeah, there, there were a couple times where uh, they experimented with with different uh, paper stocks, and I was like, for whatever reason, I wasn't happy with it. But they also, they seemed to notice it right away, also. Yeah, and, I, and uh, sadly, I don't have any. I don't have any insight onto why they change uh, different uh, change stocks at any point. I don't know if it's from from comments that they get, uh, or if it's uh, financial, or if uh, or you know, for any number of reasons. I don't know exactly why they experiment with the different papers, but obviously they have. You know what I really liked uh, the Masterworks trade paperbacks. Oh, wonderful! Love those. Yeah, no, I, I am so sad that that line has oh, been oh. discontinued because I was using that. It, like characters like Daredevil or Doctor Strange are not high on my list. Yeah, but I am interested in you know Blu-ray, quote unquote, you know restoration of that stuff. So I was buying the trades instead of the hardcovers because the hardcovers were older. Yeah, and I knew that they would have you know, shall we say, less than stellar restoration. Right. I, I, you know. Basically, I, I use like 2007 as kind of, 2007 or eight as like the gold standard for masterworks. That's when they got everything, you know, like the rest. There, there was some good restoration around 06, but the binding wasn't there yep. on the masterworks. Once they got to the sewn binding and then they had the restoration and the paper down, 
that's when, like, you know, like, I felt like, oh, I'll never have to buy this again. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and actually, that's kind of like the time where I, at least I personally feel that, uh, that I hit my stride in terms, of, in terms of restoration. The first few years, yeah, certainly the first few years, I was just, I was still learning how to do all this stuff. You know, I did, uh, you know, when, when they hired me, I was basically more or less just uh, grunt work. And uh, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if the intention was to to bring up the quality like we like we did. I know I know uh, Corey, uh, Corey Settlemeyer. I know he wanted to, uh, but I honestly don't know if he knew that we could at the time. You know, well, yeah, because you you know like you've st- said in, in previous podcasts, you had a journey to the warehouse and then yeah. you found all the film. So it wasn't really possible, you know. With, well, right, um, was available before right, that. But at, at the at the time, I think we 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 thought we were doing the best we possibly could. Um, but as, as, as we found better source material and found out that some of the source material did actually exist, we, yeah, we found out that we could improve. We, you know, we, we found that there was, were ways that we, could, uh, that we could do better. Now, you know, that being said, I think now, for the most part, we're pretty much, we, every, every time we do a project, we know if it's going to be the absolute best that we, that we can do or not. And, Ninety-nine percent of the time, uh, we're we're pretty positive that that it's never going to have to be done again. I know there were there were a few years where it seemed like we were just doing doing a volume and then redoing a volume, and then we 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 get comments like, uh, "Oh, you know, they're just trying to bilk us out of you know more money by redoing this over and over again." Every time we do something, we do it to the absolute best of our ability, and we usually know if there's some better source material out there. And like I've also explained before, sometimes there is better source material, but it, there's just no way we can get it. Right. We have private collectors or whatnot. Right. And some of them, understandably, they don't want to, you know, they have their artwork under glass or uh, some of them want, you know, they want to be compensated for it. And of course, you know, we don't, we don't have unlimited funds to do things like this, you know. And so, although no one's ever... Uh, no one's ever said this to me, but I mean, you you can imagine a scenario where someone says, oh, "Okay, yeah, I got the original art for blah blah blah, Amazing Spider-Man number twenty-two, or something," and uh, I'll scan them for a thousand dollars a piece for you. You know, obviously, yeah. obviously, we can't. You know, we wouldn't be able to do something like that. And I don't think anyone's ever come up with a price like that. But we have gotten you know requests for compensation that we're just like, you know, we're sorry, there's just absolutely no way that you know that we can do this. Well, yeah, because Masterworks seemed like they've kind of settled into a thing now where the the print runs seem to be anywhere between twelve and fourteen hundred or so. Yeah, uh, it, but the actually the the latest uh, numbers for what was that Uncanny Nine, Uncanny X Men Nine was like were like mid fourteen hundreds. Oh, so, good. I and that's eighties that. <laughs> material. So it's funny because there were naysayers that said the line would be dead once it got out of the Silver oh, Age. Oh, yes, is <laughs> doing some of you know, some of the eighties material. And I also predict this for for Frank Miller Daredevil. We'll we'll, we'll do numbers similar to that too, because what? you know that's that stuff's in woeful need of updating. You know, the further we get into the like seventies and eighties, there's very little uh, restoration work that needs to be done on this material. But at the same time, I think the nineteen seventies had probably some of the worst print quality that we had seen. Since probably like the 1940s, if you pick up pick up any, almost any comic from I'm gonna I'm gonna guess like around 76 through uh, 79, and you take and you really scrutinize their printing, it's horrible. 
Yes. And so we are going to, uh, as we go forward with Masterworks, and, you know, knock on wood, hopefully we'll be doing this well into my retirement, the, the, the quality of the, of the restoration is going to be almost perfect because there's very little that we need to do anymore in terms of, we, you know, the, the film exists and the film is almost always fantastic. To a weird extent, sometimes it's even better than the original art. Because original art these days, you know, when we, uh, original art is paper and it starts right. to deteriorate and that ink starts to fade. And so this film, they're nice, good, clean copies of the, of the original art. And in most cases, they're already cleaned up by the production back then. They got rid of the, pen, the pencil lines and any other problems. And so I, I think that anyone who, you know, never, you know, never mind people who just enjoy the stories, but if you're really into this about the art and the you know the quality of the the workmanship these artists put into it, I think I think you owe it to yourself to pick up these masterworks, especially from the '70s, because you've never seen this stuff you know so clean and so clear. And I realize I sound like a commercial all of a sudden, but yeah, it is. <laughs> it's it, it's beautiful. The stuff the stuff is gorgeous. Yeah, I, I want the whole thing. You know, I, I like I like reading them. I want them to look you know their best. There's so much 70s stuff. I still, you know, hope that they do, but we'll see. You know, I, I wish I had some information to give about, you know, what would be coming. Not, not just what would be coming out in the future, but what is likely to come out in the future. But I don't have any say in any of that. Every once in a while, I'm fortunate enough where Corey will contact me and say, "Hey, we're trying to decide what cover to use for, you know, whatever Masterworks Volume 218," and they'll give me some choices, and I get to vote. Um, but I don't know if I've ever won one of those votes. So now, did you ever do any of the Golden Age Masterworks? Uh, I think it's safe to say that I've done a vast majority of the covers for the Golden and Silver Age. And I've done a lot of interiors for the Silver Age, the Atlas area, uh, area, <laughs> Atlas era. I'm sure I must have done some Golden Age stuff, but nothing really rings about. I remember with the Marvel Comics omnibus. The original uh, Golden Age, yes. Golden Age, yeah. The you know, the original uh, was it? I think it was like numbers one through ten, and one through twelve numbers. because it collected yeah. the first three masterworks. Yeah, and uh, I remember that was like a huge team effort. I bet you, I bet you, just about everybody in one way or another was uh, was involved with that. Everybody being you know people that work on masterworks. Aside from doing the from fully restoring the covers because of course you know no film existed from back back then, so we had to restore the covers from from printed material. Remember, I got to help out quite a bit with trying to determine the restoration for the for some interiors because, as I, I mentioned in one of the previous podcasts, if you, if you know what you're looking for and you look at a printed comic book, all the information uh, is usually there. Not all the time. Sometimes printing is so bad that it's not there. But usually the remnants of the, of the line are there and it's usually just surrounded or buried in gunk. Um, or you know, just poor printing quality, and so I got to go in and help them try to decipher a lot of the small details that went into the uh, that went into the, the restoration. There, very confident that we that, that we've done justice to, to to that original work. Oh yeah, that that was night and day. The the material from the first Golden Age Masterworks volume, like yes. the first four issues yep. that were redone for the omnibus. That's like yeah, it was night and day. I don't remember if the original Marvel Comics uh, Marvel Masterworks one 
I don't know if that was the one that was shot from uh, microfilm. microfilm yes, that's whatever. the one. Yeah, is that yeah? That's the one there. Yeah, because I, I know that that one shipped really good numbers when it came out. Golden Age Marvel Volume One, the, yep. the you know the first masterworks of that that was like over three thousand. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think a lot of people were like, kind of, you know, it was disappointing, like restoration wise, you know. But like, I, like I said, I'm just glad that's that's one. Okay, here's a point. You know, Marvel will always go back and remaster something if better stuff's available. DC will not. Oh, is that they, right? <laughs> it drives me insane. They did that Golden Age Superman omnibus uh, a year or two ago, okay? Yeah. You would think that and it had like a, like a price tag of $75. They, they could have charged twice as much for it, completely remastered it, you know, to recoup the costs, and I would have gladly paid it. Because because the restoration on their like you know the old action comics and stuff, they they did that stuff in like the early nineties and it's so rustic by today's standards. You know, in its day, it was good restoration perhaps, but like you know they could do so much better now. But they oh, won't. Yes. Well, that's it. Uh, well, so yeah. If anybody from DC is listening, give me a call. I'd love to. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to work. Well, yeah, on same thing. You know, so. and like the Golden Age Batman, the the first archives of that, they they completely redrew some of those panels. And they even have, like, the dimensions of the panels wrong. Yeah. If you look at, like, scans of the printed issue, <laughs> you're just like, why? You know, or, okay, I, like, again, back then, you know, resources, uh, source material. Right. But, like I said, there's no reason for that to exist now. Right. Oh, like, yeah, because, you know. You're back, uh, well, back in the 70s when uh, uh, Greg Theakston, when he started doing this stuff, I mean, that was state of the art. What he was doing for, for the time, his work was oh, fantastic. Yeah. Is he the one that does those pure imagination books? Uh, oh, I believe, I believe so. Then I, the, I think they're still doing some stuff. Oh, oh, good. But yeah, I mean, he does. He deserves a lot of credit for. Uh, so he would be like the pioneer of the restor, you know, modern day comic book restoration. Oh yeah, they they refer to. I don't know if they refer to all comic restoration as theakstonized, but yeah, that's that's a uh, that's a phrase I've, I've heard. I, I've heard that too. Now I remember the first time I had ever heard of him was uh, see if the, if you remember this was. In the in the around eighty four or so, uh, Amazing Spider Man number twenty nine was being reprinted in Marvel Tales, and yes. it had never been reprinted before right. that because they had lost the film. Yep. So he whatever you know they explained the process the theakstonizing whatever, and this is like you know maybe eighty four when they reprinted that. And I remember reading that, you know I was I was eleven at that time, and I remember reading that, and that has stuck with me ever since then. You know. Yeah, and I got. Uh... I actually got to redo number 29 for the, uh, was it for the Omnibus or was it just for the Masterworks? No, the Omnibus is when they, was the first time they re, well, okay, you had like the original Masterworks and then the 2003 remasterworks. But yeah, the Omnibus is when it was like, when it went high def in my opinion. Well, it's a good thing you're here to, uh, to remind me what I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, that's the thing though. It's, to you, it's like, say, quote unquote, a day at the office. So it, it's all right. a blur. Is oh. someone on the outside like me who just reads it, you know, like I, I can remember like what editions they, you know, remastered what in and yeah, I know, I know at least during one of the uh, one of our previous podcasts, I was just trying to figure out oh uh, the uh, Roger Stern omnibus. Uh, it, it did turn out that I did work on the uh, kid who collected uh, Spider Man. I just, oh nice yeah, I just couldn't remember if uh, if we did it or not. I, I have that book, uh, Aging to Perfection, in my backlog. I hope yes. to read it someday. I mean, I've read all the material, you know, the, the original issues and everything. Right. But yeah. I haven't read the omnibus yet. Well, then, yeah, of course, yeah, the Roger Stern years were probably my uh, probably my second favorite. 
Yeah, the Roger Stern and then even like Tom DeFalco's run was really strong right on the heels of that. Yes, yeah. Him and Ron Friends, they, uh, you know, I really enjoyed their run too. You know, even it's funny because like when the Black Costume came out, I liked it, and then but you know it only lasted a few months at the time. But you know, a lot of people were all up in arms about it. But oh, see, at at the I was oh my goodness, I'm gonna I'm guessing I was like. 15 or 16 when the uh, black costume came out. I was all for it. I loved it. Uh, I thought it was slick, yeah. 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 What did I know? I was a kid. Then they, you know, whatever, made it into uh, the alien symbiote, which eventually became <laughs> Venom. That's when everything kind of fell apart for me. I, I officially stopped collecting Spider-Man edition number 400 when they uh, when they killed off Aunt May again. And I, <laughs> at that point, I just decided I've I've had it. And I stopped stopped buying that. But I, yeah, I bought uh, faithfully from issue number one seventy seven up to number four hundred every every month for all those years, and uh, and just gave up. But yeah, so yeah, so um, I say, but yeah, like the DC restoration, that's one thing. Dark Horse paper. I'm trying to think what other. Oh, um, you may or may not delete this. I don't know. Um, the PS art books. You know, have you seen those? The PS art books. Which what, what are those? Yes. That's the the publisher from England. That's basically they're just raw scans of uh, all. The, it, like he pumps out like two or three a month. Oh, uh, did, didn't they do like Adventures into the Unknown? Yeah, they're doing all those. Yeah, and then okay. Dark Horse came out with their line after I was already several volumes invested. Right into the PS ones. Now my friend, on the other hand, you know he's he's like me. He has uh, acute OCD for restoration and everything. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, he has actually gone out, even though he already had the PS art books versions. He went out and bought the, all the Dark Horse ones. There's like eight of them: four of uh, four Forbidden Worlds, I think, and four Adventures into the Unknown. Yeah. Anyways, he went out and rebought those, the Dark Horse, to get the full restoration. Oh, good. Oh, Whereas yeah. I'm, I'm like, you know, cash and fist, like, uh, I want to, but I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and there's always so many books coming out every week. I probably should, but. Um. <laughs> now, as uh, as someone who obviously uh, buys and I'm assuming enjoys the collected editions, what hasn't been really? Uh, and I'm not talking about Marvel or anything uh, like that. Any uh, any non Marvel or DC title that has not come out yet that has not been restored? Do you have Do you have like a wish list? Well, yeah. I mean, you could look at uh, look at a lot of like the PSR books. You know, Chamber of Chills. You know, he's completed the run, but they're you know raw. Scans and some of the scans are decent, and some are you know blurry. Hmm. Like you know, I, I was reading volume three, and there's two issues in there out of the or six or seven in the book that are just you know, like the it has to be like you know they scanned it at like 200 DPI or 300. You know, it's like oh yes, it's so poor looking at like you know the, the obviously the original print quality of the Harvey comics was rotten anyhow. You know, right gnashing plates and you know. And so, you know, and then you combine that with, you know, the aging because they, they don't really remove the yellows correctly. Mm-hmm. So you can tell it's like brown. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, like full-blown restorations of those would be fantastic. You know, any of the Harvey, you know, witches' tales, you know, but again, then it, then it comes down to I'd have to rebuy it all again, and I probably would, and then that, you know. We're, uh, you know, right, right now we're trying to decide where, as you know, we have the um, uh, our Master Series of Prints with the Little Nemo. Uh, which you were you were nice enough to order a copy, and I thank you very much for that. Oh, you're welcome. And um, I can't wait to hear your uh, I can't wait to hear your comments on it when you when you see it. I, personally, I think it's gorgeous. I mean, I'm so happy well, with how long I spent working on it. It's literally it was literally a good five years in the in the making. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, you know, from from when I finally started sitting down, researching, uh, figuring everything out, and uh, yeah, I'll I'll go into details, a lot of details over the, uh, over the upcoming months. But it's really kind of, uh, I never really thought much about publishing at all until I, I did this. And I'm looking for... I've been looking through all my channels and avenues of uh, research material and source material, trying to find a book that would interest me that I can fully restore. I enjoyed the uh, exactness of working from the original art for Little Nemo, which is why I have no I have no intention of doing the entire Little Nemo run because we don't have there all of the original art is, is it, it doesn't exist. You know, right. stuff out there that uh, there isn't there. And although certainly I'm not, uh, I wouldn't say that I would never go ahead and restore an entire volume from uh, printed material, but I love the idea of bringing this stuff from the, uh, from the original art out to, uh, out to the public. Did you, uh, did you happen to see the Tashin Little Nemo book? No, I haven't seen it. I, uh, I intend on ordering it. Um, I don't expect it to be much different than the Sunday Press versions. It, uh, from what I understand, it has a lot more content. But um, I don't expect it to be any, uh, at least an improvement. Yeah, I have it. I never owned the Sunday Press versions. They were my friend when I, you know, finally got around to discovering this. Swear to the Tashin one, it's it's a beast. It's it has to be at least eight pounds or something. It, it's you know it's humongous, and uh, it's it's um, it's smaller than the Sunday Press because I've seen side by side you know pictures online. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. I've never owned the Sunday Press, but Sunday Press brought theirs back into print only after the Tashin one was coming out. Huh. But I was already, you know, I was already in, you know. I mean, it's, uh, for, it, it's, it's huge when you get it. For what it is, the Sunday, I'm really happy with the Sunday Press book uh, because, I mean, it gives, you a, it gives you a lot of the, it gives you a lot of the prints. Yeah, they did a little bit of uh, cleanup on the scans, but it is just, it is just raw scans. And uh, it, it contains all the printing errors and... I enjoyed looking at what they published compared to the. Uh, I was able to get original original copies of the original printings of the uh, of some of these uh, of some of the Sunday strips, including the ones that that we restored. And it's it's funny to see the the differences as as I've gone over before. I've discussed how each newspaper newspaper was printed in the city that it was released in. And you know, seeing, seeing the difference in colors and the difference in quality depending on what city it is, it, yeah, it's just, it's just really interesting to compare them and and see how much different what what our full restoration ends up looking like. I've uh, I've been getting more into the strips lately. You know, the different strip uh, companies like Sunday Press, <clears throat> excuse me, and Classic Comics Press. You know, yes, the different things. So. Um, uh, Sunday Press. I just finished reading their Society is Nick's book. Oh, uh, nice, nice. Yeah, have you heard of that one? I've heard of it. I haven't read it. It's uh, it's basically you know a sampling of strips from 1895 through 1915. Nice. It's it's fascinating, it, and you know it has like you know one of their in depth introductions, and it has uh, one or two strips on a page depending on if it was a half sheet or a full sheet. You yep. know, it's presented in the the full size and. The interesting thing is on the bottom of the page, it'll have like a line or two, you know, explaining the significance of each strip. So it's just like I, I've, I learned more in that book than I've learned, you know, about strips and, you know, from any other source, really. Right. Well, that they, they, I guess they're calling that the platinum age now of comics. And there is yes. some 
there's some not just not just beautiful work, not just fascinating work, but really important stuff. Yeah, that was done. You know, going back to you know Little Nemo with uh, Winsor McKay was just so influential with with everything he was done. He was so innovative, and it's uh, it's interesting to see it, it's interesting to see the uh, the, the birth of uh, sequential art as we know it now, and to see how the the different artists were inventing ways to to tell stories uh, visually. Which, of course, back then, I mean, film was very rare, also. So, I mean, this was it. This was the this was the way to tell a story visually, and uh, I don't I don't even I don't even think radio was really that big yet. Yet was it? No, and there also really wasn't color film. Right, right. Oh, and even yeah, and, and you know, color newspapers were relatively new, also. You know, so yeah, I mean, from you know, from top to bottom, I mean, co- comic books were so important. As an entertainment back then, and of course, to realize that it was not only uh, one of the sole sources of entertainment; it was not only um, innovative; it was it was created to be temporary. That's the part that fascinates me, because like I'll, I'll read, you know, like that book or um, Prince Valiant or yeah. Flash Gordon strips, you know, and you have all this Hal Foster artwork in Prince Valiant. And it's like, why, why would he go to all this effort when someone's going to throw it in the garbage can? Right. It's, it's incredible, you know. That's stuff that blows my mind. Like, these guys, you know, it was almost like art for the sake of art. I mean, I realize they got, you know, paid pretty well because the strips were, were nationally syndicated. But at the same time, you know, he, he could have really clipped a million corners, you know. Oh, sure. But, of course, I mean, for every, um, you know, for every Hal Foster, um, you know, there was the the more lower-level Artists and of course, when you picked up your, uh, you know, your Sunday supplement back then with the, with the uh, cartoons, and it might be what like uh, you know four to eight pages of, of cartoons, and I, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm, I'm assuming that most of them didn't get paid much at all, and so you probably had you know, one or two really big names like Hal Foster or you know Bern Hogarth or whoever was uh, doing doing stuff at the time, and you know they might be getting some good money. Uh, but everyone else is just, uh, you know, they're a lot lower level. So you know, the majority of the people that were putting out, putting out comic strips back then, I cannot imagine were making a fortune. Just like with the comic artists by the uh, 40s and 50s, you know, a lot of these people were, you know, they weren't making, they, they weren't making really good money. You know, uh, I heard, I know I've heard interviews with Jack Kirby talking about, you know, he had to do a lot of work early on just to pay his bills. Oh, uh, hell, uh, Frank Rosetta, same way. Yeah, you know, he just had to do a lot of work because he wasn't getting these giant rates. I, I, I uh, read an interview with Frazetta in one of the creepier, eerie archives. I can't remember which. Yeah, you know, he did a lot of those early uh, the the paintings for the covers. He would do them like the night before the I, deadline, and would that, bake yes. them in an oven <laughs> to, so that the paint would dry. I, I, I've heard insane stories about how quickly. Uh, how quickly he could work, and uh, it's just amazing. Because when you look, uh, I've never seen. Uh, uh, certainly, some Frazetta paintings are better than others, but I've never looked at a Frazetta painting and said, "Oh, oh, that sucks." It looks like he just whipped it out overnight. You know, the the reality is, some of them he did do that quickly, and even his even his least amount of effort was was brilliant. Yeah, that's the thing that, that like amazes me, you know, because it's almost like he like thrived on the deadline, you know. Yes. And I, oh, I know that you get, there's, there is kind of like a, an adrenaline rush that when you got that deadline up against you and, uh, yeah, you, you learn how to move fast. Well, it almost makes you wonder though, in a way, maybe if he had the luxury of time, maybe he wouldn't have been as good, 
you know, oh, like yeah, maybe he right. needed that push to yeah. really, you know, or maybe not. I don't know. No, you, you, well, you could be right, and especially when it comes to, you know, they have, they have that old saying with an, art, an artist never finishes a painting, he just abandons it. Right. And, yeah, I mean, so if you had, if you just had infinite time to work on something, he, I'm sure he would have done um, not just uh, a lesser amount of work in terms of, uh, you know, total number of pieces that he's done. But, uh, yeah, when, when you start second-guessing yourself as an artist and you go back and you're changing things and scrutinizing them, you, you kind of lose that creativeness, that, uh, that imagination that you were able to get when you originally put something down on paper. You know, sometimes you can improve something uh, with, you know, with time, but, you know, a lot of times you just kind of lose, lose that magic. Right. The best example, of course, is Star Wars, you know. Special oh, editions. Yes. <laughs> Leave it be, you know. <laughs> now, there's a lot of strips that, I'll say this real quick, there, there, is a, there are a lot of strips that have never been collected, but, you know, I don't know if they ever will be. Like, uh, have you ever heard of Carol Day? No. From England. It's, it's a UK strip. It's, Google it, uh, Carol Day, you know, it'll come up. It's a, it's a UK strip from, like, the 50s. Yeah. It's incredible. Why? why I, I've even emailed a few different publishers trying to get them to do this. You know, because getting source material for it is the problem, you know. Oh, sure. You're dealing with, like, a British newspaper thing. When did the strip run? Like, the late 50s. Oh, okay. Also, uh, then there's probably uh, copyright issues also. Uh, yeah, that could be, too. But it might be some, might, might be something worth, uh, worth looking into. Yeah, like I said, I sent out a few emails, and everyone, you know, you're crazy, go away. But it, to me, it's like as if you build it, they will come. Like, remember when Fantagraphics did Canon by Wally Wood? And yes. it, like, went out of print immediately? Yep. Nobody knew what it was. It was like, you know, nobody knew they wanted it until they saw it. Right. <laughs> I think Carol Day would be something maybe not as big as that. It, it could be something, you know, like I said, once people see it, they'll be like, wow. Because huh. it, it's really unique artwork. Well, yeah. so, yeah, well, you know, oddly, I mean, you, you get that with a lot of... Uh... My kids have no idea who Buck Rogers is or any of that stuff. Um, I'm always surprised uh, in this day and age with uh, a lot of my comic collector friends had no idea where Little Nemo was. They heard of Tarzan, but they didn't. They've never read any of this old stuff. We're, we're kind of stuck from like 1960 on, it seems. In terms, well, of, a lot uh, of it's availability, like you know, Little Nemo and stuff like that. I wasn't even aware of until the last few years myself. You know. Yeah, well, but, like, um, now that it's coming back out into print, you know, same thing with like those old Tarzan comics, right? You know, and that that was the problem, like in the seventies and eighties, when you're collecting comics, unless you were like a well-heeled collector, you you simply couldn't afford to buy those comics. Well, and that's if you could even find them. If you could find them, right? If right. you could even find them, you know, you'd have to be able to afford them, and you know, so yeah. So I think that's why a lot of collectors are now becoming aware of it. Yeah, it's, it's because you know they're in relatively affordable editions. Well, for whatever reason, the, the the popularity of the collected editions, uh, you know, being up there, I'm just I'm grateful for it. Not just because it's uh, what I do for a living, but I mean, as a comic fan, you know, there's there's just so much great stuff that's you know, like you're saying, it's all available to us now. You know, when we were kids, you know, I'd heard of things like Little Nemo, and every once in a while, you might see a little little snippet appear in one of the comic magazines or the comic buyer's guide. You know, every once in a while, they might put something out there, but you didn't have you couldn't find any of this stuff. Yeah, it, it just it, like you were just saying, it, it just wasn't out there, wasn't available. Um, I'm glad it is now. I just I just wish that uh, people had the ability to put out better restorations of it. I think a lot of these collected editions really do a disservice to the artwork, and it's a shame. 
Yeah, well, you know, like you said, a lot of it's budget and oh, yeah. time and, and maybe even desire, you know? Oh, yeah. And I've resolved resolved myself to the fact that, uh, um, yeah, I'd rather have it in, you know, poor quality than not have it at all. Correct. Yeah, that's why I buy a lot of the ones that I do, too, you know? Like, like yeah, the scans might be kind of iffy or, you know, right. so on and so forth. But, again, I've never read these, and I've always wanted to read them, you know? Like, like Chamber of Chills, for example, you know, those were... Those were comics that used to be on the wall, you know, yeah. that I could never touch or afford to buy. Whereas now, you know, boom, you know, I have the whole run across four hardcovers. Yeah. So stuff like that's like, I guess you could, uh, you know, file it under dream come true, whatever, you know, I've always <laughs> wanted to read those. But, you know, again, in like the 80s, you know, that was, you know, whatever, those were even like, whatever, a couple hundred bucks back then, you know, and th- you know, completely out of out of the reach of, you know, a, you know, a kid. Well, hopefully over the next few years we'll see a a giant crop of idiots like me going in and uh, restoring all this stuff properly. Well, you know, yeah, what was it? Uh, The guy from Tales of Wonder, he started, oh, Canton Street Press it was called. They released Complete Golden Age, uh, Airboy and Valkyrie. Yep. And they also released uh, uh, Canteen Kate. And then they just kind of stopped. I don't know why, if if the books didn't sell or whatever. Hmm. Uh, They were decent enough. They were, you know... You know, like the scans and everything were were clean. You know, it wasn't full blown restoration, but it was it no. was you know cleaner than average, we'll say. And uh, but yeah, I don't know. You know, so yeah, like you said, I, I don't know if it wasn't profitable or if he just got bored or or maybe those are the only two he wanted to do. Well, you know, I, could, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I can tell you that you know, in terms of pro- it is hard for these books to be uh, you know to be profitable. And I think on you know with publishers like Marvel, it's great that. You know they'll most likely be reprinting this stuff for decades to come, and so you know it's it's worth it's worth their effort and their time to really do this stuff. But you know when, especially when you're doing things that are in like public domain, uh, well, you know, not, never mind just in public domain. But if you're buying the uh, the rights for something, which I found uh, I found this was you know, interesting. You know, when Dark Horse or whoever reprints Conan, you know they can go through and they can reprint. The, the Marvel material, the Marvel Conan material, because the license holder owns all that material. Right. And so uh, all you have to do is you contact the license holder. The license holder can demand any materials that you have, if, you know, if, you know, if, if they exist, and then they can, re, they can reprint it without compensating the previous license holders. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, so it's, you're taking a big risk when you're doing when you're doing any kind of restoration that you do not own the, you know, the rights to, because there, right. you know, there are things that, you know, Dark Horse has had, has had restored. And in theory, someone can just come along, scan what they did and, you know, reprint it. Now wow. you know, I'm, I'm assuming that Dark Horse isn't going to just readily hand over, you know, files for, you know, for free, um, you know, for, man, from that. Man, I, I wish uh, somebody would have reprinted that Dr. Spectre volume four. I don't even have a copy of that. I worked on it. Yeah. I finally got a copy on eBay. Uh, I'm, well, you saw my post on uh, yes on Facebook. Yeah, that that was my uh, 
that was my Maltese Falcon or, <laughs> you know, uh, my Ark of the Covenant or whatever, you know. So believe it or not, I have very few of the uh, of the books that I've worked on because I can't afford to go out and buy copies of all of them. And, uh, you know, most companies, they don't give uh, comp copies, you know, free copies of hardcover books. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, every once in a while, I will get I will get copies from from different publishers, but it's not a it's not a consistent thing. And so I, I think easily, easily, I only have about a quarter of the books that I've that I've worked on. And it's probably a good thing because I couldn't fit. I wouldn't be able to fit them in my house. I was going to say I, I aggressively prune my collection. I uh, <clears throat> my collection right now is probably between eleven hundred and twelve hundred yeah. books. And, you know, I, I I routinely prune it just because, you know, there's stuff I read once and I know I'll never want to read again or I didn't like. And then there's other things that are, you know, obvious upgrades, you know, like, you know, like when the Omnibus would come out would have superior restoration, I would sell off the masterworks, you know, things like that. Yeah, you, you can't keep everything because you simply won't have enough, you know, room in your house, you know. And that's why I was I, I, I wish that we could have kept going with the uh, with the trade paperbacks because I love those. And I started I do too. I started getting rid of my hardcovers because I don't you know I don't need all this stuff in in that many different formats. And I am certain that at least the way that we're doing things now, we're never going to see better reproductions of the material than we're seeing in the, uh, that we saw in the trade paperbacks. And so, you know, it's nice to have a nice big collection of all this material, which, uh, I pretty, we, we pretty much got a huge portion of the silver age. Through yeah. The, through it went up trades. to like the first 72 volumes. So yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, and, and again, like you touched on earlier, the paper is wonderful in that stuff. Right. Yeah. I love, I, soft I, covers. I love it. And they're, and they're wider than standard trade paperbacks. So, bit, yep. They kind of have like they kind of lay flat when you read them, you yeah. know, in your hand, and that that that's always like a big thing for me. I like it to be able to hold it like a like a periodical, well, like you know, like a lot comic, of books yeah. that lay flat. <laughs> in fact, I, I'm sure you remember early on the uh, the original Marvel omnibus books were glued, right? And the first, you know, the first ones were like Fantastic Four and Uncanny X Men. Yep, and those laid flat even though they were glued, and then they switched the paper. And those were, they switched printers perhaps, and the glued bindings were super stiff, like Fantastic Four Volume 2. Yeah. And the uh, first printing of Spider-Man, you know, and then, of course, later they, you know, figured it out and, oh, yeah, you know, they lay flat. But. I'm very happy with the changes that they uh, that they made in binding over the years that I've been uh, that I've been working with them. Oh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, like, that's that's, that's why, like I said, I, I use 2007 roughly as the, uh, you know, the gold standard. You know, for where everything became like perfect, I guess. Yeah, and and I mean, come to think of it, I with the exception of us going through, uh, going through the warehouse and finding you know, the the absolute best source material for for everything, I think by two thousand seven, two thousand eight, we pretty much had it down pat. You know, we figured out exactly how to do, and it was a lot of trial and error. Uh, you know, throughout throughout all that stuff, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty proud of what we've done. Yeah, it's it, like in a lot of it too is like if you think back to when <clears throat> 2003 when they fir- first relaunched the Masterworks, you know, it was just to get them back in print or whatever. And then they, the first new volume they came out with was like what Amazing Spider-Man Volume Six. That was the first new volume in how many years? And so to be where we're at now is like you know it was like a pipe dream at that time. Right. You know, like oh wow, I wonder if we'll ever see you know issue 122 in Masterworks, and you know. <laughs> Here, here we are, well beyond it, you know. Oh, 
And, and although you know no, there was never any kind of timeline given when I first started back in 2004, I, th- I think at least me and uh, the, you know, the few people that I knew that were working on the stuff, I don't know that we expected this to last very long. And yes, now here we're uh, you know we're 11 years in, and we have no we have no definite stop sign in front of us. I just wish they'd bring back the Golden Age and Atlas era. You know that seems to be kind of mothballed for the time being. Yeah, you know, hopefully we'll uh, hopefully we'll see that. I wish because uh, it, it, it's funny. You know, I certainly know books that are going to be coming out well before it hits the uh, Masterworks board. Yeah, I don't know most of this stuff until it's assigned to me, and I, I get just as just as excited as everybody else does when you know when you know, when some when something comes along and there there's always seems to be something that I'm saying to myself, I wish I could go on the message board and just start. <laughs> Telling everybody. I mean, as you, as you see, I mean, we, uh, uh, you know, me and I think most of the people who work on the master, masterworks for a number of reasons, we uh, you know, we kind of stop posting on the, you know, on the boards, and right. um, but I know that a lot of us, you know, we just spend a lot of our, we, we we spend a lot of time lurking, and uh, we spend a lot of our time just biting our tongues, just wishing we could uh, we could join in on the fun and let you guys know some of the things that are happening, but. Of course, we know that you're going to find out eventually, you know, but we just well, have a I used to be a big months. Amazon fisher. Okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <clears throat> I used to post threads on and stuff, but I, yes. I've let the younger generation uh, <laughs> take that up. Yeah, I, I used to, I had turned it into an art form. You know, of course, now you have the, the Hachette catalog when that comes out, right. you know. That's like Christmas, you know, uh, three, four times a year, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then uh, I know Corey does post once in a while. He's, he posts something like the Golden Age and Atlas era or, you know, kind of on hold for the time being that they, you know, but it's still, you know, it's a bummer, but yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll stick with, uh, you know, like amazing Spider-Man until the end, you know, oh, for good. masterworks. I, I get a lot of people, they ask me, you know, they ask me a lot of questions about what's going on with, uh, with masterworks. And I try to tell everybody, I pretty much know exactly what you know, but sometimes I know it like a month or two earlier, you know, otherwise I'm not privy to a lot of, uh, a lot of the inside workings of, uh, of what goes on. I just kind of hear, I, I just hear it directly from Corey, and then I know you guys are going to hear about it soon too. So yeah, well, and, and part of it too, you know, is, is the speculation is part of the fun. You know, I, uh, I, I, I just, you know, like I, I'd love to see them get into the '70s, the, the Bronze Age, you know, the monster stuff, you know, Werewolf by Night, Monster yeah. Frankenstein, Morbius, you know. But yeah, and all, I mean, and all the, and again, one hundred percent honest, honesty, I have no idea if we're ever going to do that stuff, but. As a as a fan, I want to see it, and just logically, I I think we will we will see that eventually, you know. Especially as you know, as the movies are getting more and more popular, and it seems like they're really digging down into, you know, this material that we, you know, thought would never make the movies, never mind uh, reprints, um, you know, like Guardians of the Galaxy five <laughs> years ago. Who would have thought that was going to happen? Um, never. But uh, but yeah, I, th- I I I my personal opinion is it. it is uh you know we'll see it we'll see it eventually yeah the other one of course is master of kung fu but Corey said on the board that that was a licensing one like yes the, that yeah. was uh because of what fu manchu yeah fu manchu right so that, that's a shame because there, there's some you know there's some great you know artwork in there oh yeah uh uh 
Galassi. Galassi, yeah. yeah. Galassi, however you pronounce it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, that's a shame that yeah. that won't, you know, at least well, for hope- now. Yeah, you know, stuff like that, you know, you don't know. At one point, someone had, uh, and not someone at Marvel, I just think someone on, on the message boards was suggesting, well, can't just go in and change his name? Through- I think that was me. <laughs> oh, was it? Oh, okay. <laughs> and, I think that was that idiot. Yeah, well, I was yeah. like, well, couldn't you change his name? They're like, no, you know, like, no. Well, thing is, I'm just wondering, you know, how would people react to something like that if you're changing from this? Just based on the scrutiny that we get for the art <laughs> restoration, you know, if we went through and changed an, a, a, a main character's name, I wonder what the general reaction would be to something like that. That, that one you could easily explain. Like, say, bad restoration is hard to explain, but, like, that if it's not this name, then we can't reprint it. You might get people grudgingly, well, right. okay, you know. <laughs> you're, talking, you're talking much more rationally than I, I hear a lot of people talk. Especially on uh, especially on the board that we love so much. Yeah, I, I, I love uh, it, the board's funny, you know. The yes. personalities on there. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I, I honestly love it. I'm there every single day reading, you know, reading just about everything that I can, uh, you know, everything I have time to, uh, you know, time to go through, and even the uh, I'll, I'll use the word annoying. Even the most annoying members are at the very least entertaining, but I I sincerely. I sincerely appreciate their love of what they're, you know, they're talking about. I, I realize that all the people that have been, probably a lot of these people that have been on the board for 10 years or more, you know, they're passionate about this stuff. Well, yeah, that's the thing, you know, and it's like, yeah, there's a couple of them on there that you're like, oh, you kind of shake their head at, but at the same time, <laughs> like like you said, you know, they're they're just as into it as you are. Their right. viewpoint is just different, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, and you I, know, to them, like, what was it, uh... There, there's a couple of the guys that were like, they hate the Bronze Age, you know, and right. they can't believe that that stuff's being masterwork. <laughs> and then there's like, you know, 20 other people that are like, well, hey, that's what I'm waiting for, you know. Or, and yeah, like, like I said, this, to see Spider-Man get into the Bronze Age was a pipe dream, you know, yeah. at one time for the masterworks. And now it doesn't seem unrealistic to see it, you know, I can I could see it hit the 80s. It doesn't seem unrealistic for another five, six more, vi- you know what I'm saying? Right. Well, like, it, you know, when it comes to you know people talking on the boards, I think they're how 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 again how can I put this diplomatically? Where I think just about everything that is written on the board is uh, taken as seriously as needed, but it all comes it always just comes down to sales, you know, because you know we could have a you know we could have a consensus on the board with people saying they love this or they hate this, but if, if the sales are there. They continue, and if they're not there, they don't continue. Because I look at the boards as a fan and as a professional, and of course, as a fan, I just love it. I just I can I uh, I love the I love the the silly fights. I love the uh, I love the great questions that people just kind of pose to each other, just the kind of geeky fun uh, that goes on. Um, but yeah, as, as as a professional, I mean, I have to take everything, even even the snarkiest, rudest uh, comments. You got to kind of uh, you know dissect with a uh, you know with a professional mind and say, well, is there some merit to what they're saying? And if right. there is, I mean, there, you know, there've been uh, although you know, granted, very very few times, you know, there've been some really kind of out there uh, you know statements that were made about you know things that we're doing, and it you know makes you think a little bit. It, my favorite is Aussie Stu. He, his. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> His ability to pick out any imperfection, like yeah. when the Tomb of Dracula omnibus came out, you know, I looked at it, and you know, it's not like what we call Corey level, you know, the restoration right. on it. 
but it's it's what I would call decent enough, you know. Like if it was never touched again, I'd be like, well, okay. There's a there's like three or four uh, things in there that they they used uh, pre-corrected version, you know, the like they they did some paste ups or something before it went to print. Yep. And they had like earlier versions of it, and Aussie Stu picked them all out like the week <laughs> it came out. Where I was just like, wow. It, well, it amazes me when you know when when people like Stu and and a few other people on on the boards. You know, they, when I'm working on this stuff, I have a copy of the film. I have a copy of the uh, uh, original printed book. Sometimes I'll have just a scan of it. Sometimes I'll have it in front of me. And, you know, it's my job to, like, overlay this material on top of each other and make sure there are no differences. I have... I have it right in front of me, and it's part of my job. I have to scru—I have to literally scrutinize every single line, every every letter, you know, throughout these, you know, throughout these books. And so I have to put the time and effort into comparing these things. The idea that some of the, some of the guys out there are taking a copy of the restored version, a copy of the original version, and putting them side by side, and just meticulously looking, you know, from version to version, looking for uh, looking for problems. It's you know, well, I, I do that actually when I review books for my blog. If it's yes. like a DC archive or a Marvel Masterworks or something, yep. if I don't have the original, which is often the case, I don't, you know, especially like for Golden Age stuff, I'll find a scan of it online, which, you know, shh, isn't hard to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, I'll do that and I'll pull it up and yeah, I'll do side by side and I'll be like, oh, well, oh, geez, you know, especially like a lot of the, the DC archives from, you know, up until the last few years, they've gotten pretty good, you know, yeah. with the coloring, but they used to do a lot of gradient shades where it wasn't, you know, faithful. Oh, right. Like, like the color palette would be pretty good, you know, but then they do these gradient shades that, that just, to me, you know, most people probably wouldn't care. To me, it's just, it like stabs me in the eye, you know, it's like, it doesn't right. belong there. It's well, wrong for the era. It's wrong for the artistic style, you know, yeah. Yeah, and, of course, you, you know, know so stuff like that, you know. You know, a lot of people don't even know what to look for in terms of that. You know, they they wouldn't even know that there's anything different or anything wrong. No, you're right. And like I said, I'm, I'm I probably skew on the extreme end of that, but well, I do now. You know, when when I first started working with Corey, it, uh, admittedly, this all seemed very extreme to me. You know, like if you look at like old DC archives, you know, yep. DC used to be ahead of Marvel in terms of restoration. Yeah, but we'll use say 2007 as the yardstick. I keep bringing up, but like from there on, you know, you, you can just Marvel kind of surpassed them in, in the restoration, you know, for like the archives versus the masterworks. Yeah. Well, good. I, I, I hope I was part of that. <laughs> I, I believe you were. I, like, you know, like everybody says, you know, Corey, but, you know, and yes, you know, Corey, obviously, but like, you know, there's, you know, there's your name and there's a few others that are involved, you know. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, various companies. I, I don't know anything about them other than I see their names in the under the restoration credits. I'm glad that I was able to bring my uh, expertise, my my unintended expertise, into uh, you know in, into the arena here because you know like I've mentioned before, I mean I was a printer for years, and so you know when so when Corey said I want to do this this and this, I was able to say oh great we can do this this and this because you know and then I would uh, you know come up with ways to do it, but you know again if. If uh, 11 years ago, if some other editor had contacted me and just said, we wanted to reprint this stuff and I want you to take care of it, I don't think I would have gone in that direction. It never would have occurred to me that people would have cared as much right. as, they, as much as they do. And, and, and again, it might have been I wasn't privy to what people were thinking of uh, in terms of reprint quality back then. You know, maybe it is one of those things where, you know, people didn't know they wanted this until they saw it. 
I'm not sure. I, I believe that's the case, really. Yeah. You know, because, like, the, say, a lot of the original Masterworks, you know, I had a lot of the original ones. And when I first got them, I was thrilled to death with them. But then when you saw, like, you know, future, uh, you know, version, or future, you know, whatever, reprintings or, you know, where they remastered it again, and it's, like, night and day, and you're like, oh, well, that is much better, you know. Hmm. Like, but again, you didn't realize it until you saw it. You know, it's like it's like having a movie on VHS and then the Blu-ray comes <laughs> out. And you were perfectly fine with it, VHS, at, at the time. But then the Blu-ray is obviously superior. So you're like, well, so you yeah. go that route. Which brings me back to, you know, I wonder, you know, will we ever have the um, chance or ability to improve on what we've done already? I, mean, I can't, I can't foresee it. But of course, 20 years ago, I don't think anybody thought about it or even cared whether whether they could have uh, accomplished what we're accomplishing now. What, what you're calling the Blu-ray, uh, <laughs> the Blu-ray quality of these <laughs> of these reprints. Um, yeah. So yeah, who knows? 20, 20, 30, 50 years. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'll be on my deathbed and they'll say, Hey, Mike, we need you to fix this again. Well, but there's also there's also only so much people can see. You know, like it may get to the point where it's like. You know, remastered beyond our ability to see the difference. Yeah, right in a printed book, of course, you can't really zoom in on it. But on the uh, you know on the iPad, you can zoom in. But yeah, I mean, at what point do you say, okay, this uh, razor thin line that Jack Kirby drew is now one inch wide on my screen? What more do I need? All right, well, Chris, uh, you know, thanks. I think we went to a lot, a lot of great stuff, and um, I'm hoping you'll join me again, and we can. Not just continue this uh, conversation, but try to get a little deeper into um, some other collected editions. That'd be great. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Please look us up on Facebook, Twitter, and check us out at Kellistration.com. And support us by purchasing our new Master Series prints featuring Little Nemo and Slumberland. You got four 18 by 24 inch prints, and if you order now, you'll get free shipping on your next order. That's calistration.com. Okay, thanks everybody. We'll catch you next time.